Okay. Hey, it's Brent Leary. A little later in the day than usual, but good reason for that because I wanted to, you know, talk about what's going on at NetSuite Sweet World and who else would be better to talk about that than the EVP and founder of Oracle NetSuite, Evan Goldberg. Evan, thank you for joining me. I know you guys are in the middle of uh, Sweet World, so thanks for making time. My pleasure. Happy to be here. Uh, so, it's been about a year since we last talked. We always seem to talk around, you know, the Sweet World events. Um, how is this Sweet World different from last year? Because last year was virtual, right? Hey, yeah. And so now this year, um, it's combo. Um, we have a few thousand people attending uh, in person, and then uh, several thousand more uh, continuing to attend uh, remotely. So it's sort of our first hybrid Sweet World. All right. First impressions. How's it going so far? It's been great. I mean, you know, it's been two and a half years since we've been able to gather with customers in person. And, you know, it's just it, it does remind you of how those sort of in the hall interactions, uh, you know, are really part of, you know, establishing connections with people, learning from them besides the, you know, sort of the planned things. We've been doing so many planned zoom meetings over the past year and a half. it's great to have things that aren't quite as planned uh i'll tell you one thing that uh i've had for several years one of my first uh trips to sweet world is i'm still rocking this man oh um, nice old school I, I, still rocking the, hey i every year when we do this i will probably be wearing the same thing it's still <laughs> one of the best pieces of uh swag that i've gotten at an event and I, it's perfect fit. It goes with my black for my Rams hat. Perfect. <laughs> right. so. Nice. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, we, I, like I mentioned, we talked last year about the same time. And, you know, we were in the midst of our first kind of holiday shopping season within the pandemic. You know, it, I guess we were about six or seven months in the pandemic at that point. Now we're tacking on a year to that. And, uh, I asked you a question about supply chain and logistics uh, <laughs> leading up to the first uh, for this first holiday season pandemic that was last year. And I want to play your react, your response, and then ask you, what are we facing <laughs> going forward? So here's what you said last year when I asked you that question. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of it, you know, initially were sort of supply shocks where they couldn't get their supplies um, from, you know, Asia uh, uh, in particular towards towards the beginning of the crisis. And now, you know, in some cases it's flipped that that's like the best place to order things from. So basically these customers, these uh, businesses have to be prepared for radical shifts in supply chain. They have to diversify. Um, you know, we have a customer Natamu, who's a dairy-free ice cream maker, and they moved some of their supply chain from Asia to uh, Mexico, sort of closer to home. But you know, by doing that, they're sort of diversifying and, and making themselves more resilient to shocks. And a lot of what we work on at NetSuite is helping customers be resilient to changes in the supply chain. So we announced in our most recent release a supply, a new supply planning engine that lets them, you know, plan based on. Um, anticipated demand, but then also can be run, rerun, you know, frequently as, as conditions change, as they inevitably do in this sort of turbulent time. Wow. <laughs> so, the more things change, the more they stay the same. <laughs> yeah. But you notice I was still rocking the NetSuite thing last year too. Awesome, so I just dude. thought I put that. All right. So, I mean, 
What are we facing now? How does it differ from last year? And how did some of the things that you had put in place and are putting in place as of today going to help with the what people are going to be faced with, what businesses are going to be faced with when it comes to fulfilling you know, people's shopping and hopefully you know, getting their stuff on time for Christmas. This yeah, year. I mean, you know, now we have sort of, you know, a combination of supply and demand, both kind of going in the opposite directions, I guess. And, um, you know, one of the things that we've been sort of pioneering for a while is this uh, capability called the supply chain control tower. That's sort of what you need, uh, you know, to make sure you don't have a collision. Um, and... So, you know, kind of unearthing, you know, where orders have risk, you know, giving you a sort of scorecard of vendor's ability to deliver to you um, so that you can kind of, you know, rank them where I may want to be shifting, um, you know, some of my purchases. purchases and, and, and again, you know, what we always try to do, you know, sort of like I said, at, at NetSuite is give you this great visibility into all the things that are impacting uh, your ability to deliver to your customers, which is obviously what you want to do, get them the right product at the right time um, and at the right cost to you. Yeah. So this year with all this going on, how, how do companies make sure that it, at least they explain it and have enough information to be able to set the expectations because it feels like it's going to be a big issue at least until next year. Yeah. And so we added capabilities in NetSuite to do, you know, sort of predicted delivery dates. What's the earliest delivery date. So that gives your salespeople, for example, when they're talking to a big customer, you know, they can see, you know, get real visibility based on current demand and, and expected uh, delivery of goods or manufacturer goods, depending on what type of company you are you know, what, what, uh, what your customers can expect, because at the end of the day, that's the most important thing is set great expectations. You know, obviously you'd like to un under promise only to the degree that they can tolerate that and then, and then over deliver. <laughs> and the other, you know, aspect of it is, uh, you, you have to really understand your product line to know, because it used to, you know, for the longest time, the, you know, where everybody was moving was just in time inventory, right? But I mean, that's just not going to be possible in a lot of cases now. And so you're going to have to figure out based on your sort of entire product line, which things are most important for me to have excess supply of and which things can I tolerate maybe some delays. Certainly your most profitable items or the items that your customers are most relying on perhaps are the ones you may want to prioritize for sort of more of a just-in-case inventory strategy. And this is for, you know, really for product companies of all different types have to think about this. Kind of, if I can encapsulate kind of what you said this year and last year, um, it's all about automation, insight, and agility. And yeah, I might be saying those three words because, well, um, let me bring this up. This has seemed to be kind of the themes that uh, are coming out of this year's Sweet World. So maybe you could kind of touch on, maybe even touch on not just what they mean, you know, and, and your, you know, what are the, the things that you're going to help people with with your product uh, announcements this week, but also how is how the definition of these three things changed because of what's all going on right now? 
Yeah, I mean, again, I think that there's some degree to which it's it's not as easy to automate uh, now because there's these sort of constant shocks. Uh, but you know, to the degree that you can, it's really it's more important than ever. Um, you know, every, most companies are dealing sort of with a labor shortage, with uh, the great resignation where they're having to, you know, go out and find new people and train them. And you're just working with sort of limited resources and you're, you don't want your people working on sort of manual mundane tasks that the, the computer can do faster and better and cheaper. Have them working on the sort of strategic projects that, you know, that add more value to your business. And so that's sort of how, you know, these three different things work together. You know, automation, things like our sweet, sweet banking uh, capabilities, which get rid of a lot of the drudgery of dealing with, you know, cash management to then free you up to spend more time sort of strategically looking at insights, the types of things that, you know, what are the, you know, what's happening in my supply chain, what's most important to me and how do I make sure that I can, uh, you know, deliver as well, you know, as well as possible for my customers, and then have the ability to pivot based on these, you know, new plans that you make uh, from really looking at the data. And those are sort of how those three different, we call them superpowers, sort of uh, work together to make you a true superhero. Hmm. Well, I think we, we all could use a superhero in our life with all that's going on right now. Uh, how, how have your customers? fared during the pandemic during uh, uh actually i guess it's been a year and a half uh, at this point uh how are they fared and how ready are they to take uh these superpowers and actually put them to use yeah i mean we have so many really interesting stories of companies that have made pivots that may have looked temporary but are turning permanent um certainly you know dealing with a high a hybrid workforce i mean it was all remote it's starting to shift to, you know, some remote, some in person. How do you keep that collaboration level going and sort of the collaborative tools, uh, you know, look like they're going to have a lot of a lot of legs to them because you're just going to have a more diverse in all ways uh, uh, workforce uh, so that, you know, that's a sort of, I think, a permanent trend uh, selling through new channels. Um, you know, sometimes uh, sort of disintermediating how you really thought you were going to be delivering to your customers, you may have delivered through retail stores. Well, that obviously wasn't going to work for a while. So let's start selling maybe direct to consumer. And lo and behold, that's proving for a lot of companies to be very effective. And as stores come back, of course, they still want to be in those stores and they still want to utilize those channels. But they're, you know, as a result of, of their, you know, having increased sales, you know, on, online direct to consumer, they're like, I'm going to now, you know, diversify my sales makes the business more complicated. And again, that's, you know, where um, we think that NetSuite can, can really help. Now, it's been several years since uh, Oracle acquired NetSuite. And I think I saw uh, as part of, of your keynote where your customer base has gone from 11,000 to 27,000 or thereabouts uh, since that acquisition. So you've got you know significant amount of customers, more customers, um, and it, it seem like they're spread out all over the world. So you're definitely more global than you were before the acquisition. But how has that changed the relationships that you have with your customers? How has the last five years? How has being a part of the Oracle, you know, platform, so to speak? I know they're separate, but 
you yeah. kind of they're they're integrating. How has that uh, changed the relationship you have with your customers? Well, I you know I think there's a few things. Just the scale of it has made us uh, you know be able to be more efficient at delivering great service to our customers. And you know right about when we became part of Oracle, we started something called Advanced Customer Support, which is a, you know a service that you know where someone can be consistently there to help you get the most out of NetSuite. Well, now we've done that long enough that we have developed these playbooks for the big transitions that companies make, whether it's going international, entering the public market, um, you know, different kinds of, uh, you know, supply chain, again, adding, you know, direct to consumer to your, your mix of channels. You know, we've seen this enough times that we can start, kind of bundle it up and, 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 and provide best practices and do it more efficiently for us and more effectively for our customers. So that's certainly one of the things that the scale has provided us with. Oracle itself, you know, has great technology that we can leverage. We obviously leverage Oracle's database technology. We're leveraging their uh, infrastructure. One of the things we've been able to do is go global really quickly in terms of where we operate um, NetSuite. So we have new data centers in Europe and North America and Asia. So that's been great. And then we have some products that we provide customers that, you know, really were only possible because of our close relationship with our colleagues at Oracle. So one that we announced this week is the or is the NetSuite Analytics Warehouse, which is based on Oracle's data warehouse technology, which allows you to take your NetSuite data and sort of mash it up with other data that's important to your business. Could be data from your website, could be data from your own operational systems. I mean, companies are awash in data now, um, but actually leveraging that data and sort of, you know, that's what we're talking about with insights and seeing sort of behind this data. And, and, you know, we have great examples of customers that are doing this already. They're taking their Google Analytics data from their website and figuring out how, you know, the way people browse the website impacts uh, or is impacted by various things that are in, in, in NetSuite and, and tying the, you know, those two different sources of data together. So that's been a great result of the collaboration with Oracle. And I've heard the term customer 360 used by a lot of different vendors and a lot of different, you know, kind of contexts. But for the first time I heard you talk about it uh, recently, what does customer 360 mean from a network, uh, yeah. a NetSuite perspective? Yeah, you know, and we um, feel we have a lot of credibility there because, you know, our, our, our whole mission has been to sort of provide, you know, a single place for, you know, all your key business information, sort of one place you can go um, to know what you need to know and do what you need to do to grow, uh, to grow your business. And so we have this rich set of data about customers. And if you adopt, you know, a significant portion of the suite, you're going to have financial data, sales data, service data, uh, web data, and, uh, you know, tying that all together on an individual customer basis is sort of what that's all about. Getting sort of all the news to, that's fit to show on the screen, show on one screen, um, about that customer, what's happening lately with that customer, you know, what are some of the top headlines, what's their, you know, are they a profitable customer, are they a growing customer, you know, are there issues that, you know, a salesperson needs to know about in terms of shipping or other things so that when they call that customer, they're really knowledgeable about it. And so, you know, it's really just a reimagined user experience around the data that sort of has always been in NetSuite. And, and when you talk about all the different kind of pieces, data pieces that you have from a variety of, of perspectives that go beyond just 
kind of what people traditionally think about when they think about customers. How does that help NetSuite help your customers even more? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, the, you know, if you're a person, regardless of what your role is in the business, if you're a person who interacts with customers, the more knowledgeable you are about kind of the entire customer journey of your of the of the customer that you're dealing with, the, the better you're going to be able to empathize with them, the better you're going to be able to, you know, provide great service. And ultimately, you know, I think the biggest leverage point that companies have to create that lifetime sort of customer loyalty is are those interactions, those personal interactions you have with the customer and you can turn around um, in a heartbeat, a soured customer relationship if handled correctly and definitely to handle those situations correctly, you, know, you need to be armed with, with all the information that is behind whatever your customer is sort of feeling about you at that particular time. Yeah, it seems like, you know, when you're able to pull from all these different kind of kinds of data and do it as close to real time as possible, you stand a much better opportunity to having a more positive interaction like you're talking about. Uh, but also it feels like you're able to uh, stay in tune and stay in lockstep and, and talk about more a collaborative experience with customers and, you know, vendor and customers, as opposed to kind of trying to, lead them because it doesn't feel like you know consumers want to be led they actually want to be more collaborative and it feels like there's more of an opportunity to do that when you have a better handle on the overall relationship and the number of the different kinds of interactions and are able to take advantage of all that insight at the moment where it's going to make uh, make the most sense and, and make you know, the most that, impact that's absolutely right and i think you know every company knows the example, uh, you know, a sim simple example is you're, you're, you're collecting on an invoice. Well, it'd be really good to know if that, you know, customer has had a lot of lifetime customer value. Yeah, maybe they're late paying on this invoice. I mean, certainly you could see circumstances where that would be true in the pandemic, for example. But knowing the real value of that customer, that they're profitable, that they generate, you know, the, the other things that are going on in sales, um, you know, what products they're buying and, and, and those kinds of things. That's good. You know, when you when it comes time to interact with, you know, what can go a lot of different ways, <laughs> that kind of interaction, uh, you know, having the full picture, even though that, you know, outside including, you know, outside your area, I think is going to make those interactions go way better. And I think every company can relate to situations where they didn't have all the info and they they sort of you know made the wrong move hmm. when you think about digital transformation are you seeing a lot more of your customers focusing their digital transformation efforts around support logistics and these things uh because a couple of years ago when your digital transformation it was mostly you know on in other areas of the business but are you seeing that starting to the kind of factor more so into digital transformation efforts? Well, you know, when we see companies talk about digital transformation, it usually is, you know, when they've come to this realization that they have a bunch of aging systems that don't work together. And we like to call it at NetSuite, the hairball. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so, you know, the more that they, you know, I think in a lot of cases, companies, you know, from an IT perspective are trying to look more holistically at their entire portfolio and say, how can I simplify this and, and at the same time make it work better 
Um, and that's, you know, where we think that, you know, a lot, that's a lot of the drive for people to adopt systems like NetSuite that just simplify the entire sort of landscape of your company. And it's like sort of the, you know, it's almost, it's not undigitizing it, but it's like gotten over digitized. It's like right sizing it. Hmm. Wow. So a year from now, wh where are we going to be? You know, I know it's kind of, you know, the crystal ball question, but I mean, where do you think we're going to be in terms of where, where will business be? Where will customer engagement be? Uh, will we still kind of be in the same spot? Or do you think we'll be a little further along in, in more face-to-face, -face, maybe a little less digital, or maybe it's more face-to-face -face and more digital? But will we be significantly different in a different spot than we are right now? Well, I would certainly hope so. I mean, being here at Sweet World, again, really see the value of those in-person in interactions. They don't have to happen every day, um, but they're, you know, they're just a critical part of the innovation process. And um, so I think that we're going to be really smarter about them um, in a year. And we're going to take a lot of the learnings we had about how you can work you know, remotely and collaboratively with teams and combine it with what we've so sort of always known. I think the companies are going to take uh, the learnings they had about how they can uh, get their customers interacting online, you know, with things like, you know, we have a customer portal uh, where 24 seven, your customers can go in and see the status of their orders, you know, see their invoices, see if they've had, you know, trouble tickets that they've entered, you know, it's just a lot of that stuff. You don't necessarily have to pick up the phone or be, you know, talking to them from seven to seven. Um, so, you know, that, I, I think that those kinds of tools will be combined with, you know, again, more hopefully in-person interactions for when it's, when it's important. Uh, you know, they'll come into stores, you know, in, in the, sort of in the right circumstances, you want them coming in because they want to, not because they have to. And so I think that, you know, the, just getting that balance right, I'm sure in a year we'll be a lot more knowledgeable about that. So... What do you want the folks who did make the trip to Vegas? What are the, like the one or two biggest things, takeaways that you would like for them to take back with them? Yeah, well, I, I think that we really started just a a uh, a process of trying to explain how we're thinking about the business user experience, and you know, it's been actually really gratifying. You asked about uh, Oracle is that Oracle as a whole is making a very deep investment into the business user experience. And they want people that are coming into the workplace for the first time to see the tools that they need for their job to be you know, familiar and, and feel like the stuff that they use outside of their job, not you know, be just this burdensome, uh, rote, you know, mundane kind of thing. Where they, and, 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 you know, of course, it's still work, but we want to make it feel as little like work as possible, at least as, as so far as dealing with your business systems is concerned. So we showed a lot of great new user experiences and things like how you, you know, enter orders for customers. I mean, the stuff that normally is sort of drudgery, but actually during that process, we can add a ton of value. As you're entering an order, we can suggest, here's some other things that this customer might like. If you're on the phone with them, you say, hey, did you know that with this, you know, product we've been selling a lot of this other add-on product those kinds of things so really taking the sort of manual drudgery and actually trying to make it a value add uh when you know for like our, our our finance teams they spend a lot of time reconciling bank 
accounts and not a fun part of their job. Obviously, we want to automate a lot of it, but we also want to add value. It looks like your cash forecast suggests that you might need some working capital. We can provide you know, information to, to your bank that will, uh, will help you line that up or, or help you monetize your receivables, that sort of thing. So the, the, you know, improving the business user experience to one that is sort of constantly adding value versus sort of constantly subtracting value, which I think traditional, often traditional business applications do, is, is really going to be a focus for us. And there'll be a lot more about that next year. Well, I definitely hope to be out there next year. Uh, I, I never would have thought I would say I miss Vegas yeah. uh, you know, a couple of years ago, <laughs> but having been in basically here in my house for the last 18 months, I, I'm actually kind of starting to miss Vegas. So maybe next year I'll get a chance All right, to see well, you. It would be great to see you here. All right. Thanks again. Evan Goldberg is the EVP and founder of Oracle NetSuite. And thank you guys for checking me out. We'll see you tomorrow. I think it's Thursday tomorrow. Yes, uh, Sarah and players. So I'll see you then. Take care.